Romans 6, 16 to 18, and then Romans 8, 12 to 17. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you have slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. And then going to Romans 8. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. Um, had a bit of a dilemma coming into this. I wasn't sure how long to preach for this morning, so I thought maybe I'd do a coin toss to figure it out. Um, so I'm going to do that right now. So heads, I'll preach for like maybe two hours or something. That's for, that's for Jason. And uh, maybe tails, I'll, I'll do 20 minutes. And uh, so if I drop it, maybe I'll just sit down or something. I'm kind of nervous, so I might do that. But just kidding. So here it goes. Ooh, you don't want to know. <laughs> just, just kidding, just kidding. I'm happy to be here this morning. Um, coin tosses are pretty cool, though, right? I, I do like them. We use them a lot in our society, mostly in sports and stuff like that. It it helps us to have like an impartial way of deciding something. Uh, and, and I think they're pretty neat. And I like them because it's easy. It, it's It's hard to dispute the answer. You flip the coin... You know, whatever side is facing up when you look at it, that's the side you go with. And nobody can really argue with it because, you know, it's, it's a coin and it only has one side that you're looking at. So if it's a good toss, it's a good method. On the other hand, though, I think there are a lot of other things that are a bit more subjective than a coin toss. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things in life where you can, two people can look at the same thing and they can see, you know, they can sort of see certain things that, they come out more strongly to them than others, and two people can be looking at the same image and, and see different things. And so to illustrate that, I'm going to flash up some images here on the screen, and then I'll ask you what you guys are seeing. So here's the first one. What do you see here? Do you see a man with binoculars? Or, or do you see a car going over railroad tracks? It's interesting, right? Now, the cool thing is that you can probably keep looking at the picture, and whatever image you saw first, if you keep looking at it for a while, you can sort of train your mind to see the other image too, right? Okay, I got a few more. How about this one here? Do you see two people facing each other? Or how about 
some marble pillars. If you look at it for a while, if you look at the black space or the white space, can you sort of train your mind to see the other image as well? It's pretty interesting, right? Our brains automatically pick one image first, but not everybody's brain is going to see the same image uh, that everybody else's brain will see. We're all kind of different in that. So here's another one. This one's a little more difficult. Do you see the face of an old man? Or do you see the side profile of a young woman? Can you see the other one? If you look at the old man's nose, if that's what you're seeing, that's the bun in the hair of the, of the young woman. I don't know if that might help you see the other one. Okay, so one, uh, one more here too. Do you see here uh, two faces? Or do you see a candlestick? It's interesting, right? According to the internet on this one, if you see two faces, it means that you're a people-oriented person. You're probably extroverted. Uh, But if you see the candlestick, you're probably an introverted. You're more of an inward-focused type of person. So not only are these things interesting, but apparently we can also get some psychology out of them. But I don't know. You'll have to ask your psychologist. I'm not sure. Uh, So, okay, one more. Last one. I like this one a lot because it's got a crocodile or, or maybe some people fishing by a mountain. I don't know which one you guys see there. I see them both. It's pretty neat. So I love tests like this. I love these kinds of things because it shows us that our minds... They don't all work the same. They work differently. And it's fascinating, I think. But I also like these things because I I enjoy trying to see the other image. You know, the one that didn't come to my mind first. I like trying to pick it out. And I like this illustration because it sort of describes what we're trying to do here with our next sermon series in the month of December. Sermon series called Finding Balance. Most of our Bibles, they don't really have pictures, right? Like, Like those pictures we just looked at. But there are still a lot of concepts in the Bible that are sort of like these pictures. We can look at the scriptures and we can see one concept there. But then when we look at it a little bit more, we can see another concept. And sometimes those concepts even you know, seem to compete with each other in some ways. And today I want to talk about one of those double images that we see in the scriptures. We're going to be talking about finding balance this morning between being a slave of God and a child of God. When you think about your relationship with God, do you think of yourself as more of a slave to him or a child of his? Those are two very different things, right? And maybe they even seem to contradict each other in some ways, but we can look at the New Testament and actually see both of those concepts. Uh, They're both in there at the same time, which we just saw in the reading. So if, if if we know that they're both there and they're both equally valid and important, it makes sense for us to try to figure out how to see them both. And it's like the, the two sides of the coin, right? Or the, or the two types of pictures. Uh, the more we look at the image, the more, or the more we turn over the coin, the more chances we have of clearly seeing uh, the other side or the one we maybe didn't see at first. And when we do that, it's important because we can train ourselves to see a fuller picture or a more complete picture of who we are before God. And when we do that, we find balance and it allows us to be better and better at following Jesus. And so this morning, this is the balance we want to talk about. But before we get into that, I just want to take a minute and just say a quick word here about slavery. If you're like me, uh, even if you hear the word or the term slave, it, it causes like shivers down your spine, right? It's a word we cringe at in our society. So I wanted to kind of start up front with giving a bit of context around this term. 
Now, we need to remember that biblically speaking, in the Bible, slavery is a very, very diverse topic. It, it spans a, a, a large range of meanings. The meaning of the word uh, can range from a situation where somebody agrees to work for another person, uh, maybe in exchange for food or clothing or, or having a debt paid off. And that can range from that all the way to the other end of the spectrum where we see a very harsh and oppressive type of relationship where one person is domineering over another person and treating them very cruelly. So in our culture, I think we all know that slavery definitely carries off to the, the, the far end of here where it's the harsh oppression sort of thing. We have a very negative connotation towards that word. And rightfully so. Because of some of the terrible things that have happened in our history and really that are still even going on today. But it's important for us to understand, like I mentioned, that the concept of slavery or the meaning of the word slavery, the Greek word slavery in the Bible, is much more wide-ranging than what we're used to in our culture today. And especially when we're talking about being slaves of God, uh, we're certainly not talking about the same thing that existed in the 18th and 19th century in the Western world. So many Bible translators, because of this sort of negative connotation, have chosen to translate the Greek word uh, that's rendered slavery as, as uh, servant instead. And so this is done, obviously, to try to do away with some of the negative connotations towards that word. Uh, there are different types of slavery in the, in the Scriptures, at least in part because there's different types of slave masters. And I think that's the important part for us to see when we're talking about this word. Uh, it's important for us to know that Jesus, he taught against any type of cruel treatment towards another human being. And, and definitely we are actually called to do the opposite. We're called to love everybody around us, no matter who they are. And so when we talk about being slaves of God, we're, we're, we're talking about a very volunteer decision that we make to submit ourselves to him as our good master. So I hope that's clear because this is going to be very foundational to the rest of the lesson. And with that important disclaimer uh, about what slavery means in the Bible out of the way, I think it's important for us to know that uh, in the Bible we are called, followers of Jesus are called repeatedly slaves of God and slaves of Jesus. In Romans 6.22, Paul says that those who have chosen to follow Jesus have left behind our old life and been enslaved instead um, to a different way of life and they've chosen to become slaves of God. And not only this, but in the Bible, there are also numerous, numerous Bible authors who call themselves servants of God, which, like I said, in the Greek, literally means slaves. You can see them here. This includes the Apostle Peter, Jude, James, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle John. All of these guys refer to themselves as servants or slaves of Jesus or God. They all saw themselves that way, and it's important. So this is the first side of the coin, if you will, that we want to look at this morning. But there is another sort of equally important concept that we want to see in Scripture as well. On the other side of the coin, uh, we see that we are children of God as well through our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is also highlighted uh, in, in the Scripture that we read this morning. In Romans uh, 8.15, Paul reminds us that through the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, we have been adopted by God, and we are now His children. And that is just some of the most amazing news, I think, that we find in Scripture. And so we need to embrace that identity. We need to own that identity for ourselves as well. And so that's the premise of the lesson this morning. We want to take 
some time to see both sides of the coin, right? Uh, to, to know that we are both slaves of God and children of God. And when we take the time to do this, we see a fuller picture, a fuller understanding of who we are in Christ. And so I want to take a couple of, uh, I want to talk, sorry, about a couple of aspects of what it means to be a slave of God uh, or a servant of God. And that comes from Romans 6. Which, uh, which Levi read for us. And then I also want to look at Romans 8, which talks about us being children of God. So we want to see how both of these aspects work together and how both of them can help us to strive to follow Jesus. So let's discuss the first one here, being uh, slaves of God. In Romans 6, we see a very important thing, a couple of very important aspects of what it means for us to be slaves or servants of God. The first one is that as slaves, we need to be people who choose righteousness with our lives. Choose righteousness. And second, as slaves of God, we need to have an attitude of obedience toward our master. Obedience toward God. These are certainly not the only aspects of what it means to be a slave of God, but I think they're a good starting point for us as we try to understand uh, the way that we should see ourselves in this way. So let's, let's talk about what it means to choose righteousness here first. In verse 16, the Bible points out this incredible thing about life. Now look closely here because you're not going to see this in too many places today outside the Bible. But this verse is telling us the truth about sin. Those things that you're tempted to do, you know, it may seem like they're just tempting us to do harmless, fun things sometimes. But the reality, according to this verse, is that you're being drawn into a different kind of slavery. A slavery to sin. And, and this is the kind of slavery, trust me, you do not want. Sure, the way it's presented to us from the world makes it seem very different than that, right? It comes across as, oh, we're looking for freedom. Or there's going to be something so good that comes out of this. Or that you'll finally be fulfilled. You'll finally be happy if you just delve into sin. But the truth is here in verse 16. The straight truth is that as humans, we're going to be slaves to something. It's just our nature. And we get a choice, though. We can choose to be slaves of sin, or we can choose to be slaves of God. And if we choose sin, and if we're going to chase the things that the world tells us we need, or the things that you know, we think we need to feel good, or we think that we need to pursue to be fulfilled, we're going to be pursuing something else, actually. We're going to be pursuing our own enslavement to the prince of this world. And when it comes right down to it, verse 16 says that this form of slavery only ends in death. The other choice that we can make, the choice that we want to make, is to be slaves to righteousness instead. And when we choose righteousness, when we choose to, to live in the way that God has called us to live, by following the pattern of teaching, as it says here, uh, that Jesus has handed down to us, then, then we know that we have something much different to look forward to. We already saw this verse, but... I want to go back to it again. The beauty of choosing righteousness is that instead of death, Paul says that when we have been, now that we've been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. So yeah, we have a choice. We can either be enslaved to sin, which it says leads to death, or we can be enslaved to God, which says leads to righteousness and eternal life. And I hope we can see the benefits of that. The benefits of being a slave of God and choosing righteousness. So that's the first aspect I want to highlight here about 
being a slave of God. But the second one is this, obeying him, obeying our master. The second characteristic is, is so important as well, being obedient to him. You know, being obedient means that we follow his will for our lives, not our own will. Being obedient means that we're willing to change, we're willing to learn, we're willing to let go of the things that hold us back. And in short, it means that we put him first. If we're going to be slaves of his or our servants, this is an attitude that we just simply must have in our hearts and in our minds. This attitude shows up all through the scripture we've been looking at here today so far. In verse 16, it comes across, we see that God is not only, he's not going to force us, sorry, God is not going to force us to be his slaves. He's not that kind of master. We have to make a choice, though, to do it. In verse 16, we see that he is calling us to offer ourselves to him. And that is truly going to take some humility on our part. It's truly going to take some strength and some decisions to put him in, in, in front of us, to put his will ahead of our own. And then also in verse 17, it points out that the disciples in Rome, who Paul was writing to here, had allowed Jesus' uh, teachings to claim the allegiance of their heart, to claim allegiance of their heart. They had a choice to make. They had chose to, but they had chose to let Jesus be the one who governed their heart, which meant that they needed to obey his teachings, right? They needed to make changes in their lives. And so obedience is such an important part of the balancing act that we need to find between being a slave of God and being a child of God. God is our authority. It's not the other way around. And I know that's not a popular thing to say today, but it's true. Obedience and authority is not really a popular topic in our culture, but I think that's at least in part because it's been abused a lot, right, by many people who want to do things for their own advantage. But we need to remember that when we're talking about God, the one we're talking about as our authority and the one we are obeying is a good God. And He loves us with a perfect love. And it's exactly because of His perfect love that we can and that we need to trust Him and obey Him because what He's asking us to do is truly the best thing for our lives. So this is the first side of the coin, so to speak. Uh, for how we should view ourselves before God. The Bible says that we are his slaves. And as his slaves, we need to choose righteousness. And we need to obey his will for our lives. But thankfully, this is not where the story ends, right? Because there are two sides of this coin. And just like those pictures we saw at the beginning, or, or like the coin, turning the coin over, uh, we, can, we can train our minds and train ourselves to see both sides of it. And when we do that, we're going to get a fuller picture of what it means to be uh, in this relationship that we have with God through Jesus Christ. And this is just so important. So flipping over the coin right now, we want to talk about being children of God, which is just as important. Going into Romans uh, 8, we can see that being a child of God means that we share this sort of sense of intimacy with him. A slave doesn't know their master, right? They just follow orders in a cold and, and sort of um, legalistic way maybe but a child a child is very different a child knows their father in a very close and personal way they not only know what their father wants but they also know the father himself and there's a big difference there and that's a beautiful thing indeed and this shows us uh, and this sort of idea shows up in a very powerful way in in verse 15 in chapter 8 
It says the Holy Spirit leads us into a relationship with God where we can know Him so well that we can refer to Him as Abba, not the band. <laughs> the, uh, the Aramaic word, the Aramaic term for Father, which Jesus uses to describe God when He addresses Him in prayer. Many scholars actually think that Jesus started off this trend of addressing God as Abba in prayer. And that he, he used it as sort of a close or intimate form of address, more intimate than some of the other terms of address for God that he could have chosen. And so the amazing thing for us is that what we see here in verse 15 is that the Holy Spirit is leading us into a relationship with God where we can consider him to be our Abba as well. We can consider him so close that we would refer to him in this very personal way. And this relationship where we not only know him, uh, and we know what His commands are for us, but we know His desires for us. We know His plans for us because He's our Father and He has a future plan for us. And Paul points this out also in verse 17 where he reminds us that we are heirs of God. So we shouldn't see Him as this sort of far away God who will never really know now, but maybe we'll meet Him one day at the end of our lives. It's not like that. Scripture says that if we've given our lives to Christ and been baptized into Him, God is closer to you than you can imagine right now. He sees what you see. He knows what you say. He knows every hair on your head. He knows you personally. And He wants you to know Him personally. Just like a good earthly father wants to know his children and for his children to know who he is. He created you to be in a relationship with Him and He has big plans for you both now and also for eternity. But those, that relationship doesn't have to wait for eternity. It can start now. It needs to start now with, as His children. So the second thing I wanted to point out about being a child of God is that we are led by a new spirit. A new spirit. And of course, this new spirit is the Holy Spirit. Verse 15 makes this distinction very clear as well. We used to be led by a spirit of slavery to sin and fear through Jesus. But through Jesus, God has given us a new spirit. His spirit is the Holy Spirit. And he's given that to us to lead us away from sin. This is an important distinction. Jesus frees us from sin, but the spirit leads us away from sin. Let's, let me say that again. Jesus frees us from sin, but the Holy Spirit leads us away from sin. And we need to let Him do that, right? The Spirit, the sinful Spirit rather, that we used to have before Christ, it was like being shackled to an immovable weight. And there was just no way you could get free, even if you wanted to. But then in verse 18, Paul tells us that Jesus comes along and breaks those chains. He frees us from that sin. Through Jesus, we can be free from sin. But what we need to do is still choose that freedom daily. Brothers and sisters, as God's sons and daughters, we need to be led by a new spirit, the Holy Spirit. In fact, in verse 12, it says that we have an outstanding obligation or an outstanding debt to do this. Verse 13 shows us that the Holy Spirit helps us put to death the misdeeds of the body. In other words, He's going to help us turn our back on sin and start leading and following Him towards the Father into a relationship with Him. And then in verse 14, 
It says that the Holy Spirit wants to lead us in the opposite direction. Instead of leading us back to sin, He's leading us towards God. Not only as God's slaves, but more importantly, as God's important children. The children that He's adopted. Isn't that beautiful? So the book of Romans shows us that we need to see ourselves as both slaves of God and also as children of God. And I hope, you know, by now we've seen the importance of understanding both sides of the coin in this relationship we have with him. I think each of us sort of has a tendency to see one side of the coin or one aspect of the picture more clearly or more easily than others. But it's important that we try and understand both sides or both ideas here because Uh, it's important that we see ourselves as both slaves and children if we want to be following Jesus to our fullest potential. If we only see ourselves, and if we kind of blind in one eye or something, if we only see ourselves as slaves of God, God is going to seem very impersonal to us, right? Maybe you guys can relate to this. We may think of him as somebody, you know, that we can know about, but we don't really know him personally. Or we may see him as a distant lawmaker or a distant judge who's going to check out our performance at the end of our lives, but we fail to see that he's also with us every day in the trenches in our battle against sin, helping us every day. We may think of God as someone who wants to put up with us, but he does it more out of an obligation. He doesn't really want to know us personally. Being out of balance in this way can lead us to believe that We maybe even need to be perfect so we can earn his love or earn his favor. We may even start to see our service to God as sort of a cold obligation or a task that must be done to avoid punishment. And we miss out completely on that sense of intimacy that we need and that we can have with our Father. If you can relate to some of those things, it may be a sign that you need to spend some time looking at the other side of the coin because there's an imbalance going on. But on the other hand, if we only see ourselves as his children, we also run the risk of imbalance. We may see ourselves as entitled to his love. We may begin to trivialize the importance of obedience and we become casual towards the severity of sin. We might feel that we never really, uh, we never really feel that convicted to change or, or challenge or that we don't feel challenged to grow. Or we may begin to even discount the authority of God's word and and start elevating our own wisdom and our own experiences to the same level. We might even go so far as to think that the way we live is of little consequence at all. And these uh, these things sort of equate to what I would call spiritual entitlement or spiritual apathy. And they make a mockery of the holiness and the righteousness of our master. And this is also, of course, out of, unbal- out of balance and it's unhealthy. And if you find yourself relating to some of these ideas, then again, it's, it's sort of the same solution. We need to turn the coin over and look at the other side so that we can see a fuller picture of our relationship with God. So being out of balance in either direction is going to make it difficult for us to follow Jesus. We need to see both sides of the coin if we want to be effective at following him. And like everything else... This is amazing because Jesus is the best example for us in this area as well. Check out what it says here in Hebrews 5. In the New Living, it says, Even though Jesus was God's Son, He learned obedience from the things He suffered. In this way, God qualified Him as 
a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation to all that would obey him. So if anybody had a clear understanding of their position before God, it had to be Jesus, right? He was a total child of God. But far from being a reason to feel entitled, Jesus saw his position as God's child as a motivation to humble himself and to serve. And this is the balancing act that I think we need to find as well. God didn't adopt us as his children to give us a sense of entitlement. No. He did it to give us a sense of empowerment. We, uh, we are empowered when we know that our Father is the King of the universe. And he is actually dwelling inside of us through his Holy Spirit. And not only this, but as his children, we stand to inherit all that he has. Which means that there is literally, literally nothing that this world can give us that we don't already have. When we see all that we have in Jesus, and then we see all that everyone else is missing by not having him, we should be motivated to follow in Jesus' footsteps and serve. Even though he was God's son, he served God as a slave by lowering himself to the role of a suffering servant so that more and more people might come to know might might come to be children of God as well. And that is the mission that Jesus has given to all of us as well. We need to be a part of that mission. So I hope that we've seen the answer to our question this morning is is not really whether we are slaves of God or children of God, but that we are both slaves of God and children of God. We certainly are called uh, to come before God as righteous and uh, as slaves who are slaves to righteousness and obedience. And we need to do that. But we also need to recognize that God has a desire to have an intimate relationship with each one of us. And his desire uh, is also to dwell inside of us through his spirit and let his Holy Spirit lead us towards him. He draws us closer and closer into this amazing relationship with Him so that we will begin to see the boundless riches of His grace and the incredible inheritance that we have through Jesus. And when we see this, the right response is to follow the lead of Jesus by humbling ourselves in obedience to Him and serving our Master. And we do that by serving those around us and helping lead God's lost children home to be in a relationship with Him. So if you're struggling this morning to see both sides of the coin in your relationship with God, I hope that looking through Romans 6 and 8 has helped. This balancing act, it can certainly be tough. But it's critical to get it right or at least be working towards finding it out if we're going to be effective followers of Jesus. As always, if you want to talk to somebody about this, please feel free to come and talk to me or or maybe... You're sitting here this morning and and you don't know God at all and you want to know more about what it means to have a relationship with Him and and give your life to Him and become His child. If that's you, you need to know that no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, He wants to have a relationship with you. Not only as His slave, but more importantly, as a child that He knows and loves. And so if you want to talk more about that, please uh, come and find me. And we can chat about that as well. Thank you so much for your time this morning.